You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hi, this is Arielle Dimross, the host of Reset, and the Reset team is currently on holiday break. This year, I'm spending that time in New York City, and I have time off, so I'm probably going to spend a little bit of time playing video games, hanging out with my wife and my dog, and making music on my new synthesizer. With that in mind, we're running one of my favorite episodes of Reset today. It's about quantum supremacy. This episode breaks down what that term means and where quantum computing might be headed. And so if you didn't have an opportunity to listen to the episode the first time around, now's your chance. Enjoy and happy holidays. Google's been cooking up something big. In a study published in the journal Nature last week, the company announced that it reached something called quantum supremacy. Google says it has achieved the impossible. Quantum supremacy. Google says it's designed a computer that needs only 200 seconds to solve a problem that the world's fastest supercomputer would need 10,000 years to figure out. This is Sycamore. Google says it's the first quantum computer to achieve supremacy over traditional computing. That's when a quantum computer can perform a task that a classical computer couldn't do in any practical time frame. And that also is the extent of our understanding. And by that, I mean Isa and mine. Now, why do we care about this? Well, before you just say, you know, hey, nerd, what does this have to do with my life? Here's the really amazing thing about it. Google's team has proven it can work. This is the hollow world moment for quantum computing that many of us have been waiting for. The term quantum supremacy sounds frankly ridiculous. It always makes me feel like electrons are going to take over the world. But people have been waiting for this to happen for a long time. It's felt like for years we've been waiting for an announcement of what people call quantum supremacy, and that's what Google announced this week. That's Kevin Hartnett. He's a senior writer for the math and physics magazine Quanta. And the Google News got him fully nerding out. Because what Google announced means that a special type of computer, called a quantum computer, is finally doing things— Instead of just feeling like... This almost mythical dream for decades. So, shit's getting real. And we're going to tell you why. On today's episode, we're explaining quantum computing and why two of the biggest tech companies, Google and IBM, are obsessed with it. I'm Ariel Dremros. This is Reset. I promised I'd explain Google's quantum supremacy news. But to do that, first I have to make you eat your veggies by talking about physics. But don't worry, because I got you. I am here for you, and we're all going to do this together. So Kevin, what's a quantum computer? 
A quantum computer is a machine that performs calculations using the laws of quantum physics, as opposed to, I guess, your classical computer, like your phone or your desktop computer, that behaves according to the laws of classical physics. So a classical computer computes using bits, and bits can be either one or zero. So like the foundation of code, basically. Exactly. It's, that's, what, that's what code is. Now, a quantum computer doesn't use bits. It uses quantum bits or qubits. And these qubits are made out of quantum material. And a qubit can be in a position of one or zero, or it can be described by the probability that it's in one or the probability that's in the position zero. So what is the advantage of that system? The advantage of that system is you have these many different possible states your quantum computer could be in when you kind of are working through your calculation. And each of those states has a probability assigned to it. That's the key. A regular computer, or what computing experts would call a classical computer, like your laptop or your phone, those computers can only try one possible pathway at a time to get an answer. But a quantum computer can get to the right answer more efficiently. That's not super intuitive. So here's a thought experiment. Imagine a ball and a hill. Your task is to get that ball to land on a specific spot at the bottom of the hill. So imagine that you're at the beginning of the comp your computation, you are at the top of a hill, and you're going to roll a ball down the hill. And it could kind of go any number of ways down the hill and end up at any number of different spots at the bottom. But there's only one spot at the bottom that's the correct answer. So if, you're, if you have a classical computer, the best you can do is kind of roll that ball down the hill and see where it lands and see if it's the correct answer or not. So you're constantly running the ball up the hill and then you get to drop it once and then maybe you get the correct answer. If you don't, you got to roll it back up the hill and try all over again. That's right. It's a, it's a lot of effort and it takes a lot of time. But with a quantum computer? You have the ability to uh, kind of structure your qubits so that the path the ball takes down the hill is, in some ways, the, the most likely path it takes down the hill is the one that corresponds to the correct answer at the bottom of the hill. So you can kind of tip the hill, tip the scales in your favor in order to get to the correct answer a whole lot faster. That's right, uh, a lot faster. That is the whole shebang right there. A quantum computer should theoretically be able to get you an answer a heck of a lot faster than a classical computer. But when it comes to speed, sometimes the newest, flashiest mode of transportation isn't the most reliable. So you have to ask yourself, when does performing a calculation with a quantum computer become undeniably more efficient than doing the same thing with a classical computer? That, in a nutshell, is the quest for quantum supremacy. So quantum supremacy is a benchmark that was set about seven years ago in 2012 by a physicist named John Preskill at the California Institute of Technology, Caltech. And what quantum supremacy means is a quantum computer can do something that no ordinary classical computer can match. What exactly does that mean? There's this idea that quantum computers should be able to perform calculations much faster than regular computers. But a lot of people doubted whether it was possible to actually achieve a calculation like that in practice. So quantum supremacy is the moment a quantum computer actually performs a calculation 
that a classical computer simply can't keep up with. Because if you give a classical computer enough time, maybe even more time than we have left in the universe, it can do anything a quantum computer can do. Supremacy means a quantum computer can do something in a categorically faster way than a classical computer can do it. The world's most powerful classical computer is called Summit. It's owned by IBM, and it's as big as two basketball courts. Google's quantum computer, on the other hand, probably fits in your bedroom. And it has a name too, by the way. It's called Sycamore. So what Google did was give Sycamore a very specific problem to solve, called a random circuit sampling problem. And what they showed is that their computer can solve this random circuit sampling problem in about 200 seconds. And the most powerful classical computer in the world, which is called Summit, well, Google estimated it would take that computer 10,000 years to solve the same problem that their computer solved in 200 seconds. Wait, wait, wait. So what Google announced is that it basically dunked really hard on IBM's most powerful computer, the most powerful computer, classical computer in the world. It dunked hard in the sense of this particular problem, and you could say it killed it. That that feels like a big deal. Is it a big deal? It is a big deal. Uh, it's a big deal in a practical sense, right? There are lots of things we can do if they only take a couple minutes to carry out the calculation that we can't do if we need years or tens of thousands of years. Except that if you ask IBM, Google didn't dunk as hard as it says it did. IBM is certainly skeptical. They issued a paper saying, not so fast, they haven't actually done it because Google estimated in their paper that it would take a, the most powerful ordinary computer 10,000 years to carry out this calculation. And IBM said, actually, that most powerful computer, which we designed, can do this in two and a half days and probably even faster than that if we had time to fine tune how we did it. Uh, and I should also say that IBM themselves, they are perhaps Google's biggest competitor in the effort to build a quantum computer. So is IBM just a sore loser or is this a very good point that they're making? Well, the point they're making is good and it does point to something important about supremacy, which is you're trying to prove that a quantum computer can do something faster than any classical computer can. So proving supremacy, truly proving supremacy, would involve proving there's no way a classical computer can do this kind of problem as fast as a quantum computer. And we don't have that kind of proof here. It took the most powerful classical computer in the history of the world, a computer that occupies uh, an area the size of two basketball courts. It took that computer, or it would take that computer, you know, say a minimum of two and a half days to do this calculation. If Google's quantum computer gets even a little bigger, if instead of 53 qubits, they have 70 qubits, now a classical computer that fills two basketball courts won't be able to keep up at all. You need a classical computer the size of a city to simulate that same calculation. And that's the sense in which the quantum computer is doing things categorically faster than a classical computer. And I think that difference is really what people have in mind when they talk about quantum supremacy. And that's why most people are pretty comfortable saying that what Google did, if it fully checks out, is in fact a demonstration of quantum supremacy. So is IBM also going to demonstrate supremacy anytime soon? 
IBM has been on the record for a while now that they are not chasing the goal of quantum supremacy. They view it as an artificial benchmark. You could cross it and still not be doing anything useful. So they, at least in their public statements, have been much more practically minded. So this is a difference between Google being the kind of basketball player that wants to to straight up flip in the air before dunking and uh, IBM that just wants to do a layup because they know that it works and it's the same amount of points. I would say so. And it, it, it seems like Google has been more animated by the basic science of it and kind of the sense of possibility and exploration. My man, Kevin, with the perfect segue. So we've established that Google's quantum computer is significantly faster than the most powerful classical computer in the world. But what exactly are the possibilities with this? Are personal quantum computers in our future? That's after the break. What if all your breaking news alerts had a voice? What would that sound like? It would sound like Today Explained. It's a daily news podcast from Vox. I'm Sean Ramos from Every day, my team and I take one essential news story, politics, Me Too, movies, sports, science, and we break it down into 20-minute episodes perfect for your ride home. Subscribe to Today Explained on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen from Stitcher and the Vox Media Podcast Network. So, Kevin, the computation that Google performed to demonstrate quantum supremacy... Is it useful? It's not useful in the sense of being practical. Uh, this random circuit sampling problem really is very specialized, almost tailor-made for the purposes of demonstrating quantum supremacy. The engineers at Google compare it to the Hello World program that the first Apple computers ran. And it's almost just showing you can turn this computer on and it works. I think one way you can think about it is when the Wright brothers had their first famous flight, it wasn't useful to anybody, but they showed it's possible. And that probably inspired lots of people to follow their lead and develop the very practical air travel industry we have today. And I think the hope is that Google's demonstration of quantum supremacy will be similarly inspirational for the quantum computing world. Right, because the first flight by the Wright brothers didn't last all that long at all. It didn't last all that long at all. But I guess you could imagine it demonstrated some kind of supremacy over cars, which can't even get off the ground. Is that what we're talking about? Is, is it the difference between a plane and a car in terms of, of you know, the, the sort of gigantic leap and achievement that, that Google says it, it has achieved? I think that's a reasonable comparison. Certainly, the places we hope we can go and the speed with which we can get to them via a plane is comparable to the hopes that people have for quantum computers. It sounds like we've got a ways to go, but can I expect that in my lifetime, people will be walking around with phones that are actually super fast quantum computers? Unfortunately, no. There are kind of two reasons why you shouldn't expect to have a quantum computer in your house in the next few years or probably in your lifetime. One reason is that the types of problems quantum computers are well designed to solve are very specialized. And those are not the kinds of problems you need to solve to run a web browser or play music in your house. So that's one reason why 
a quantum computer in every house is probably not the future. The other reason is that quantum computers have a long, long way to go before they realize their potential. The Google quantum computer had 53 working qubits, and it's taken years to get even to that number. In order to do a lot of the most practically useful things we hope quantum computers will do, they will need thousands, millions, maybe even billions of qubits. So, so many more than any quantum computer has now. And that day is probably a long, long way off. If these computers are not that useful for the average person, why are we excited about this? What actually are the practical applications of a very powerful quantum computer? There are a few very specialized types of problems that we think quantum computers are going to be able to solve very quickly. And these are important problems. So one is that we expect quantum computers, once they get big enough, and this is still a long time away, but once they get big enough, we expect they will be able to break virtually all of the codes and encryption systems we use today. So I'm sorry, you're saying that quantum computers can break almost all encryption? That sounds like a big deal. It is a big deal. And I think it's why national governments are investing a lot in quantum computing and why every time we see headlines about advances in quantum technology in China, people get very nervous because quantum computers have the potential to be, in a sense, the ultimate code breakers. And they would be able to instantly break the encryption systems that safeguard most secrets today. So if a much more powerful quantum computer than the ones that we currently have access to could break encryption, I got to ask, what does that mean for the internet? It means the internet would need a new way of encrypting your data. And people are working on that now. What we're saying here is that quantum computers, if they get a lot more powerful, are the Kim Kardashian of encryption. They'll break the internet. That's right. We'll need a new internet. What Kevin is saying here is that quantum computers, like Kim Kardashian, should theoretically be able to break the internet by breaking a common form of encryption called RSA encryption. The idea behind that type of encryption is that it's really hard to break down a large number into its prime factors. And so if you base the key to unlocking your encryption on that principle, you've got a code that's hard to break. One that would take a regular computer something on the order of hundreds of years to figure out. And so right now, that's how we keep a lot of information on the internet safe. But with a very powerful quantum computer, one that's a lot more powerful than the ones we have now, the time it takes to break a large number down becomes really short. And that means the key you use to encrypt stuff is easy to figure out. And the internet is kind of screwed. But that's all still mostly theoretical at this point. There are other things quantum computers will be useful for, like drug discovery and financial modeling. But for most of that stuff to be truly worth it, you need quantum computers to get a lot more powerful. Well, I think this is just the start of the development of an extremely exciting technology. The idea that we can use quantum mechanics and particles like electrons to perform computations just seems insane. It's insane because if we build a working quantum computer, it 
demonstrates that we have achieved a kind of physical mastery over matter in the universe at the most fundamental level. We are controlling it, we are manipulating it to our own ends, and we're performing calculations with it. That's kind of stunning. And the fact that engineers are now actually pulling this off is kind of amazing. This is Reset, and I'm Ariel Zumros. You can follow me on Twitter. I'm at ADRS, and you can reach the Reset team by emailing us at reset at vox.com. If you haven't already, subscribe to the pod on Spotify. We'll be back on Thursday. Later, nerds. First thing in the morning, as soon as you wake up, the to-do list starts. Does the car need gas? Hopefully those leftovers are still good. Why did I get CC'd on Home mom? <laughs> no. You can't escape the to-do list, but you can make the most of your me time with a relaxing shower using Method Hair Care products. Try Pure Peace Volumizing, Simply Nourish Moisturizing, or Daily Zen Shampoo and Conditioner for daily use. All formulated with long-lasting fragrances and are safe for color-treated hair. Reconnect with the best version of yourself. Visit methodproducts.com to unleash your inner shower.